Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Happy 4th of July weekend. Hope you're enjoying it. In segment three, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell has a very tough disciplinary decision to make in the next few weeks about Michael Vick and Dante Stallworth. One player took the lives of dogs, while the other took the life of a human being. Roger Goodell is going to need to tread very carefully. I'm going to tell you why coming up in segment three of our show today. In segment four, SportsSense, Rick Buecher, he's ESPN's NBA insider. This is one of the most active times of the year for the business side of the NBA, from the draft to free agency to which teams are hurting the most financially. We're going to have it all covered with Rick Buecher from ESPN in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. Just go to our blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Look on the left-hand side for the links, and you can link to our Facebook or Twitter pages. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach and Bobby Corser. Nathan, something that has gotten under my skin this week. Wimbledon, the coverage. It's been pretty exciting as far as Wimbledon is concerned. Some good matches, big names. The Williams sisters made it to the finals, which is always big for the game of tennis, but NBC has been tape delaying the coverage. And, you know, I'm on Twitter, I follow it, and I see all the outrage. I don't understand why NBC can't show the coverage live. And if they can't, then we need to have Wimbledon and the people of tennis get with the TV network that can show the matches live. I mean, what is this, 1980? L.A. Lakers, Philadelphia 76ers, Magic Johnson, Dr. J, tape delaying things at 11.30 at night. This is ridiculous. Wow, you're comparing tennis to uh, Magic Johnson and Dr. J. The uh, 1980s uh, of CBS, that's what I'm comparing it to. It's ridiculous. Fair enough. I, I worked for NBC at Wimbledon, the French Open, for five years. And what I can tell you, and I don't know what's going on, and I've been just as frustrated as you are, but dealing with the All England Lawn and Tennis Club is like no other entity you've ever dealt with, and they control everything. So I would, I would anticipate... They have something to do with it. This is why tennis is where it's at. It is the it's the least popular sport in the United States now as far as watching on TV. It's declining quickly and this is why. All right, we've got lots of headlines coming up. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, ESPN's coverage of the finals of the Confederation Cup featuring the U.S. and Brazil. It was seen by 3.9 million people in the United States, the most viewed USA game since the 2002 World Cup quarterfinals game. Nathan, we talk all the time about the popularity of soccer in the United States. It doesn't measure up to the popularity of the game over in places like Europe and Brazil. But because the U.S. got to the finals and made one of their best showings ever, I think it opened some eyes for people who may want to watch on TV. And with the World Cup approaching in 2010, it certainly doesn't hurt the profile of soccer in the United States. Well, I certainly think that uh, popularity of soccer is growing right now in the United States. You look at the expanding MLS with David Beckham sort of here for a little bit. I mean, people are starting to get into it. I was one of those 3.9 million people. I actually set my TiVo because I didn't want to miss the game. And I mean, I love soccer, but I I think soccer is growing. We just talked about tennis. I think soccer is quickly passing tennis in the U.S. for popularity. And they showed it live. Can you believe it? What a novelty, showing a sporting event live. Uh, I don't know what to say. Yeah, tennis is lame. They don't get it. That's what to say. All right, our next headline. IRL and Indianapolis Motor Speedway CEO Tony George this week relinquished all three of his major job titles, resigning as CEO of IMS the IRL, and Holman and Company. This according to the Indianapolis Star. Now, George will remain on the IMS Board of Directors and in charge of the Vision Racing Team. He was asked to remain in charge of the IRL but declined. The changes come amid pressure from family members who make up the board and financial concerns over IMS's shrinking bottom line. Bobby Corser, our resident auto racing expert, it's a big headline. You know, this guy's been there for a long time. But what does this really mean? Yeah, absolutely nothing. They got him out because they feel that he is solely responsible for the amount of money not coming back into the family and the track and the IRL. So are they going to bring someone in who's going to bring that money in in this economy? Or is this guy just the fall guy? He's the fall guy. And, you know, a family member will step up or multiple family members will step up. And, you know, listen, there is a conflict of interest. The guy's running a race team, but he's also running the race series. So you got to kind of look at him and be like, you know, you got to pick one or the other. You can't have both. All right. We're off to a great start on the show today talking about sports that don't matter, tennis and auto racing. Wow. He's just on a tirade today. (laughs) Our next headline, a group headed by White Sox and Bulls chair Jerry Reinsdorf entered a $148 million offer for the Phoenix Coyotes in U.S. bankruptcy court. The offer is $64.5 million less then RIM CEO Jim Balselli offered when he proposed to buy and relocate the Coyotes to Hamilton in early May. Now, Reinsdorf's bid, which will not exceed the $148 million, would see Glendale Hockey renegotiate more than $127 million in claims from secured and unsecured creditors. They would also redo the lease. Nathan, again, the NHL wants Reinsdorf and his group to get the team, even if it's offering $64.5 million less because they want the team to stay in Phoenix. But it's going to be interesting because when a team gets sold, all the other owners get paid. And if you're going to make $64.5 million less, will any of the other owners step up and say, look, Balselli's offering you know a lot more money than Reinsdorf. 
this has still got a lot to go on it, and it, it's very complex. Well, $148 million for a professional franchise, I mean, that seems like it's almost within reach for you and I, Berger. I mean, that's a that's a steal of a deal right now. Dude, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got a long way to go on that. But, you know, your point is well taken because, as we'll talk about with Rick Buecher and NBA franchises, there are some deals to be had right now in the NHL, in the NBA, even in the NFL, if you're looking, prices are lower than they've been in the last decade, and there are owners who are hurting financially who are going to unload their franchises for less than market value. Speaking of a poor economy, organizers of the Kapalua LPGA Classic in Maui have pulled out of their contract to host the annual event through 2012 because they lack a title sponsor. This according to the Associated Press. Here's... You know, we talked at the beginning of this year, the economy is going to be the biggest story of the year. Uh, NASCAR races, tennis tournaments, now golf tournaments are losing title sponsors. Here's yet another example of that. And by the way, Kapalua, my favorite course in the world, and they've got great hospitality over there, but... They can't find a title sponsor, so thus this LPGA event gets dropped. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, that's one that's near and dear to your heart, Burger. It is, and it's sad that they're not going to be able to play there. And, you know, as a side note, the Kapalua Land Company, it's a subsidiary of the Maui Land and Pineapple Incorporated, reported a net loss of $13.2 million. Now, you know, I could go on and on about Kapalua. But let's just say they had big expansion plans over there with their golf courses. Those have been put on hold. They had a lot of real estate development over there. Those have been put on hold. And, uh, you know, more impacts of a poor economy. Our next headline, the University of North Carolina, former home of one Michael Jordan, and Nike have signed a new 10-year contract for Nike to be the exclusive supplier of athletic footwear. The deal's worth million. So two things here. Number one, no surprise that Michael Jordan's alma mater re-ups with Nike for 10 years. And it's a, you know, it's all, it's across all sports, not just basketball, but football and and everything else. But the other is, again, for anyone who says that we're dealing with amateur athletics, North Carolina, a university is getting $37.7 million just for a shoe deal. This is just for a shoe deal. This is professional sports at its finest. Yeah, especially in this economy right now. And, you know, this is a minor thing, but I wonder, is it Nike or is it Jordan brand that North Carolina will be wearing? Because those are two separate things. Well, basketball will wear Jordan brand. I think everything else will be Nike. But, as you know, Jordan brand is a subsidiary of of Nike. So $37.7 million, that's the the eye-catcher there. Our last headline of the week. Musician Elvis Costello has been added as the special guest of the July 11th Major League Baseball All-Star Charity Concert that will take place under the Gateway Arch in St. Louis and feature musician Cheryl Crow. The free concert is presented by Pepsi, and it benefits Stand Up to Cancer. You know, baseball has gotten much better about having some festivities around the All-Star game. It used to be just the game itself. Now there's some concerts and some other things, and I think St. Louis and their new venue there will be a terrific host for the Midsummer Classic, as they call it. Well, yeah, and the thing we talk about all the time with regard to the NBA and the NFL is the halftime shows and all the entertainment events around those, and finally ba- baseball is kind of getting there. All right, coming up next, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. I've wanted to address this for a while. 
he's got a tough decision to make. You know, there were a lot of people when Michael Vick got into his hot water with the dogs that said, you know, Michael Vick might have been better off if he had killed a human being. Well, guess what? We've got an NFL player who has done just that, and it's going to be interesting for me to see how does Roger Goodell rule in the cases of Dante Stallworth and Michael Vick. We'll discuss that coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. The clouds are parting the summer sun. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. I've got a confession to make. I'm a sucker for good ice cream. There's nothing better than watching a sporting event while enjoying an ice cream cone, or better yet, fixing an ice cream sundae with my daughter. Lucky for me, I found an indulgent ice cream at an affordable price. Moose Tracks ice cream comes in a variety of flavors, including chocolate moose tracks, extreme moose tracks, mint moose tracks, and of course, original moose tracks, just to name a few. What's my favorite moose tracks ice cream flavor? It's chocolate moose tracks which is chocolate ice cream with peanut butter cups and famous Moose Tracks fudge. For a chocoholic and peanut butter lover like me, it's heaven. What's your favorite Moose Tracks flavor? To find the Moose Tracks branded store nearest you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. That's M-O-O-S-E-T-R-A-C-K-S dot com. Or find the Moose Tracks banner on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Moose Tracks ice cream, the official ice cream of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and Nathan, I want to spend a few minutes talking about something that uh, I think is going to be very difficult for NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. It's really going to define his tenure thus far as commissioner. And to date, he has he's been very, very firm on punishments when he's handed them out, um, and I like that. I think. You know, the way Commissioner Goodell looks at the NFL, it's a privilege to play in the league. Uh, and if you aren't on your best behavior and you're not representing the league the way you should be representing it, then there's going to be repercussions. And we've seen those penalties paid by numerous players to date. Well, coming up, he's got some decisions to make on two players and you know, two very high-profile cases that have been played out in the media. Number one, Michael Vick. Maybe the most high-profile, off-the-field case in the history of the NFL with the dogfighting and, um, you know, all the, the negative headlines, the picketing from PETA. Um, and so Michael Vick is he's out of jail. He's on home arrest. And pretty soon, Commissioner Goodell is going to need to decide has Michael Vick paid his penalty to society by serving his jail time? And will I allow him to come back immediately and resume an NFL career if someone wants to sign him? Or will I further penalize him? Okay, you got penalized by the justice system, but now the NFL is going to penalize you. And I'm going to make you sit out a season or two seasons or whatever it may be. That's going to be interesting. Now, there were a lot of people that said during Michael Vick's debacle, gosh, they're really, really uh, coming down hard on him, as they should. And it's interesting because he might have been better off committing a crime against a human being than helpless, defenseless dogs. Now, Dante Stallworth, who played for the Cleveland Browns last year, was driving drunk possibly under the influence of marijuana, as it's come out recently, and he hit someone and killed someone. 
and he has expressed great remorse. He has made financial compensations to the family. He made a mistake, and he's owned up to his mistake. The point I'm trying to make, Nathan, is you've got Dante Stallworth, who took a human life. You've got Michael Vick, who took animals' lives and tortured animals through dogfighting. What is Roger Goodell going to do when it comes to handing out penalties for Vick and Stallworth? If you give a harsher penalty to Michael Vick, are you saying that you value animal life more than you value human life and and vice versa so he's kind of in between a rock and a hard place here see i don't know that i'd say he's in between a rock and a hard place and i I wouldn't go so far as to be dramatic saying that roger goodell would value an animal life over a human life stallworth made a mistake that was an accident it wasn't premeditated he didn't take a gun and shoot someone he didn't run someone down with his car he made a mistake by driving drunk and also hitting someone michael vick that was premeditated stuff you know, had it been a human or a dog, it doesn't matter. He had thought thought it through and went through with it. So I think the punishment still is probably going to be stiffer for Vic, even though Stallworth took a human life. If if Stallworth hadn't killed someone and just got a DUI, would there be any suspension whatsoever? Yeah, I mean, you raise good points there too because I think, you know, another thing about this is if you look at the hit the brand of the NFL has taken because of these two cases. They've taken a much greater hit because of Michael Vick. That was a much bigger story. That played out for a longer duration. Um, The average person, I don't think, could even tell you that Stallworth hit and killed someone right now. You're probably right. The average person might not be able to tell you that. But the Michael Vick story transcended, like, all news media. It it was on, you know, CNN and Fox just as much as it was on ESPN. And... um, so it's going to be interesting, though, but I, I just think that this is something that's going to really define Commissioner Goodell. And for my, if I'm going to make a prediction here. Put the commissioner cap on. I'm going to say that Commissioner Goodell says that Michael Vick's got to sit out at least a season. He's not allowed to return to the NFL gridiron for at least a season. So, hey, Michael, uh, you know, you paid your penance to society, you served your jail time, you're going to be allowed to come back and work, but I'm going to make you sit one season before you're allowed to do that. Um, From all accounts, Michael Vick has been a model citizen since his release, and he's saying and doing the right things, and I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve a second chance. What he did was heinous, but he does deserve a second chance, and if he turns his life around, then you got to tip your hat to him. And if he can be a role model to people going forward and keep them from making the same mistakes he did, great. With Dante Stallworth, like you said, it was an error in judgment, and it was a a lapse in judgment that cost someone their life. And it's something that Dante Stallworth is going to have to live with for the rest of his life. I do think, though, that Commissioner Goodell is going to lay the hammer down on Stallworth, and for that matter, he's going to lay the hammer down on Plaxico Burris, too. I would be surprised if... Burris and Stallworth see an NFL field this upcoming season, too. So I think you're looking at three guys who could be uh, looking at missing a season because Roger Goodell says this is unacceptable behavior in my league. And for anyone else who's watching this, here's some examples that will keep you from making the same mistakes and using the poor judgment that, that they did. And again, Stallworth, you know, it, it teaches us a great lesson. If you go to a party, if you have too much to drink, 
it only takes one second to ruin your life, especially when you're behind the wheel of a car. And you gotta you gotta think. And and if you're these guys and you have so much at stake, you know, can't you call a cab? Well, call a cab. I mean, you're rich. Call I mean, a cab. Even if call you're a not liberal. rich, call even a if you're not rich. No, I, I'm, I'm, I know. But for these guys especially, yeah, you could have a personal driver who right. drives you around, and you never have to get behind the wheel of a car. And you know, like you said, Michael Vick stuff was more premeditated. It went on for a longer duration of time. Um, it's been much more high profile. But with Stallworth and, and Plaxico Burris too, those were lapses in judgment that they will probably pay a dear price for for at least the next year, if not longer. And it's a very fitting message given that this is the 4th of July weekend, so everybody take note and be responsible this weekend. Don't drink and drive. It, you know, Like I said, one error in judgment, one second could really uh, ruin your life. And someone else's. Exactly. All right, coming up next, ESPN's NBA insider Rick Buecher. So many things going on with the NBA this week. Trades, free agent signings, uh, teams that are really hemorrhaging money. We're going to talk about that coming up next with Rick Buecher from ESPN the Magazine. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Rick Buecher. He's the senior writer for ESPN the magazine. He's the insider with all things NBA for ESPN. Rick, thanks as always for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. So the NBA free agency period officially kicked off this past week on July 1st. Teams can officially sign players on July 8th. This year's crop of free agents kind of pales in comparison to next summer. But nonetheless, there's some intriguing names on the market. Rick, the thing that's astounding to me is how the NBA has really become a league of haves and have-nots. Teams who have money to spend and teams who desperately need to dump salaries and cut payroll. Already we've seen Shaquille O'Neal, Vince Carter, and Richard Jefferson traded in what amounts to salary dumps by Phoenix, New Jersey, and Milwaukee, respectively. If I say to you, I think there's only five or six teams that have a legitimate chance to win the championship next year and everyone else is just trying not to lose money, would you agree with that? Uh, Yeah, I I, I would. I mean, honestly, um, it is – it's not quite as naked as Major League Baseball. For me, baseball is still the the king of, you know what, we'll we'll give this a month or two, and if we're – 
<laughs> if we're not in the running or we're not in a certain position, like the we're A's. just going to start. We're just going to start trading people away. Right. Uh, we're just going to we're going to we're going to get prospects and we're going to uh, we're, we're going to cash it in. Uh, this year, for the first time, I think that's what made the New Orleans Hornets trading trying to trade Tyson Chandler at the trade line uh, so uh, revelatory for the NBA is that we'd never seen a team that was potentially in the hunt measure where it was at and say, you know what, we're not going to win a title this year. We need to dump money and to do it in such a extravagant way as to try to move their starting center. Uh, and, but I, it's a sign of the times and I would expect that uh, we could see more of that sort of uh, the, the one element that we have coming up is that we have a new collective bargaining agreement coming up and I'll be interested to see, I believe that the league is going to squeeze everything down and it, it may level the playing field because your ability to get out of or of, avoid uh, signing uh, people to bad long-term contracts is going to be minimized because I just don't know that there are going to be any big long, long-term contracts out there anymore. But I guess the thing that's different now, Rick, and we've talked about this when you've been on previously, is you've got you know Memphis, Sacramento, Charlotte, Milwaukee, Phoenix – you have owners who are losing lots of money in their personal business portfolios. So when yep. they're losing that much money, you know, these are hobbies to them. They're not owning these NBA teams because this is their main form of income. So when their hobbies start hemorrhaging money, they start looking for ways to cut payroll. Do you think some of these teams that I just mentioned can hang on until a new collective bargaining agreement or might we see some sales? Oh, I, I think it's very possible that we could see some sales. Uh, and I would actually put the I would put the New Jersey Nets probably at the top of the list from everything I've heard lately. Uh, the possibility, you know, the, the the whole idea of them going to Brooklyn and building a new arena. I, I've heard that that's basically nothing but smoke at this point. Right, a mirage. And exactly, and that the prospective owners that uh, that Bruce Ratner would sell to, uh, while not. Uh, looking to stay in the Meadowlands, they're certainly looking to stay in New Jersey. So, um, yeah, no, there, there's a, there's a couple of teams. The question is, in this economy, uh, who is going to uh, answer the rallying cry and say, you know what, I, I have the wherewithal to step in? Now, supposedly, supposedly there are some people out there that have that ability, but they feel like it's a buyer's market, and so they're going to squeeze down the current owners and those current owners are not at the breaking point yet where they say, you know what, we have to capitulate uh, at, at, at any cost. And so until that happens, I think you're going to see people hold on much like in every business, everybody's trying to hold on. And if they're going to sell much like real estate, you don't want to sell right now if you absolutely don't have to. And and that's what I think you're seeing with with a lot of these NBA teams. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you're following the NHL at all, but there's a rash of sales in the NHL, and it's exactly what you just described. People who are getting these teams on the cheap. And then you do have, you know, they say there's a sucker born every moment. Uh, there are some suckers out there uh, that are willing to overpay. I mean, you've got Jim Balselli, the guy who uh, is with BlackBerry, and you know he's throwing money around trying to buy an NHL team and is willing to overpay. So it'll be interesting definitely to see 
uh, if there's any NBA sales. I want to ask you, we're joined by Rick Buecher. He's senior writer for ESPN, the magazine, NBA insider for ESPN. Has Joe Dumars in Detroit lost his mind? And maybe you have a different take on this than I do. But I see he trades away the heart and soul of his team, Chauncey Billups. He gets Allen Iverson's expiring contract. This week, we see he basically turned that contract into signing Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva. Again, these can't be official until July 8th. But I'm not blown away with Gordon or Villanueva. And you got a guy who just committed $95 million, supposedly, to those guys. And you got a big summer coming up next summer. And I'm not saying mail it in, but do you think he had a hole burning in his pocket and he just felt like he had to spend and he spent on these two guys that I don't, I'm not overwhelmed by? Yeah, I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not overwhelmed by them either. And uh, I, I honestly believe that they probably could have squeezed the price tag on Ben Gordon because I don't know who they were he admitted today, I, I don't know if you heard the interview, he was on a Chicago radio station. He said Chicago never made him an offer and no one else was bidding. So Detroit bid against themselves. Yeah. So uh, it was a case where Joe definitely didn't let the market uh, work itself out. But I would also keep this in mind that uh, right now, living in Detroit, not uh, a free agent destination. Yeah. And so you have to consider that, and I, and I believe this is part of what Dumars had going, is, you know what, if we want to make sure that we're going to be better next year, then we need to set an agenda and we need to get out there early and we need to win guys over. Because if it becomes a battle of I can get uh, – I have other opportunities – we may not win that. And, and, and here's the part. There's two things here about, about signing those two guys. And I give Joe this, is that he's, one, he's never wanted to load up a lot of money on any one particular guy. He, he's, he, he wasn't going to get in the Boozer sweepstakes, wasn't going to get in the Hito Turkoglu sweepstakes. He would rather have an array of good players than build around one or two superstars and then have all contributing players. And he's won and maintained a team that has been a, in title contention for as long as any team in the NBA over the last decade. So it's hard for me to say that, uh, that, that his plan isn't effective. The other thing is, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, they're not a title contender now, and they're not going to be. This is a team very much in transition. And so... He's looking at Gordon and Villanueva as being building blocks and moving in a new direction and a significantly different direction than Detroit has traditionally been, which is uh, he's trying to make much more of an offensive team than he's had in the past. Uh, Gordon and Villanueva are not great defenders by any stretch, and, but, but both of them are and believe in themselves as clutch scorers. And Joe must believe in them too. So I'm going to wait and see. I, you know, I, I, I was a little curious. I was a little mystified. But it's awfully hard for me to go against Dumar's track record. There's other GMs in the league that I feel a lot more comfortable second-guessing. Joe Dumar's is not one of those guys.
So, Rick, that's where I disagree a little bit. I look at Joe Dumars, and his track record, to me, is a little shaky. This is a guy who passed on Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, and Chris Bosh in favor of yep. Darko Milicic. Uh, yep. He got rid of a coach this week, Michael Curry, who he endorsed and said, you know, this is a guy who's grown. He's going to be a bright coach in the NBA. He got rid of Michael Curry. So I just question some of his decisions. I don't think he's, you know, maybe he's not completely out of his mind, but I'm starting to think that Joe Dumars is, uh, he's getting a free pass on in some areas that maybe he shouldn't. Uh, no, no question. He took a hit on, on, uh, on the Darko Milicic move, without question. And Michael Curry uh, believed that he was the guy, and, and honestly, they would have loved to still had him there. It got to a point where... Uh, the day before he got fired, he was he was ripping, ripping Hamilton in a way that, uh, as as one other coach GM said to me, is this guy trying to get fired? Huh. I mean, wow. so uh, you know they're extenuating circumstances. The one thing I will say that I like about Dumars is like he didn't mince when, when he realized you know what the Curry thing's not going to work. This is where. Other teams and other situations, they kind of milk it along, or they, they they consider, well, we've got him under contract for another year. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to pay two coaches at the same time, or maybe we can work with them. Uh, for whatever reason, the, the the thing that didn't work out with Curry was the thing that was supposed supposed to be his strong point, which was communication with his players, and that was the real issue, and so. Um, you know, ultimately that that does fall back on Dumars. He did make that move, um, but I, I will give him this: when he saw that it wasn't working, he made a definitive decision and said, "We're going to go in another direction." And I guess in part because I spent some time with Joe, w- literally watching him work, um, I have a sense of how thought out his moves are made. And I'll be honest, you know, everybody's banging on having moved Chauncey Billups, um, let the, the, the fact of the matter is Chauncey Billups absolutely disappeared as the playoffs went on, which he had consistently done with the Pistons the last couple of years. The feeling is, and, and he's got at least two more years on his contract, um, the Pistons felt like, look, we're not going to get any better. He is the heart and soul, and our heart and soul is get old before our very eyes. Their only hope in making the move was, certainly they didn't expect Iverson to be as big a disappointment as he was, but their thing was, let's get off that money uh, and let's give ourselves a chance to rebuild. And if we can make the playoffs while doing that, that's a bonus. And that's really where they are. Let's try to rebuild this team. And if we can continue to make the postseason in the meantime, then we're ahead of the game. Rick, and so that's where they are. Just a few minutes left, and I've got two more questions I want to get to with you. You spent a lot of time with Yao Ming. You wrote a book on Yao Ming. You know him very well. Uh, News this week doesn't sound good for the rest of his career. His foot is not healing the way it's supposed to. You know, I've spent time with Yao Ming as well in China. Super nice guy. Has given yep. his heart and soul to his country. Has been, you know, a good player for the Houston Rockets. 
you talked about earlier, you don't want to get into a situation where you're invested in one or two guys and the rest of the team is role players. Well, that's exactly what's happened in Houston. You've got Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady who are eating up most of the salary cap there, and then they're surrounded by role players. Well, now those two guys are injured, doesn't look good going forward. What do you do if you're Daryl Morey in Houston? Man, it's uh, you beg the league for a medical exception for Yao Ming, and you you go back to the drawing board and you look at the fact that you have Tracy McGrady's contract uh, that's going to expire next summer, and you decide can we make can we parlay that into some young talent and some draft picks, or do we simply let it expire and then we become a player, uh, hopefully on the free agent market next summer. Again, depending on what the league gives you, with a uh, a medical exception on Yao Ming, it's not an easy situation. But obviously, the the, the Yao Ming thing sort of comes out of the blue. It's not, I, you know, quite honestly, we're in the day and age with with medical advances that it's awfully rare when you have career-ending injuries in any sport. And I don't, I still don't know that that's the case with Yao Ming. Although having had a chance to talk with him, um, and a number of people around him, it's a lot more of a possibility than I ever dreamed it would be when this news first broke. Wow. So I mean, explain quickly the medical exception. Does he have to retire before the Rockets can get that medical exception, or could they get it as soon as this year? Uh, no, he would have to. He would have to. Well, there'd have to be an indication. That he's retiring, you know, that he, that he's retiring, or there's a, a high, un, highly, it's highly unlikely that he's coming back to play. Um, exactly when that would take, uh, it's possible that uh, it could uh, take effect this season or or by next summer. So that would open up the opportunity to go after the great free agent class of 2010. Rick, last question for you, Ricky Rubio. The St. Paul Pioneer Press reports this week that Ricky Rubio may return to Spain for two more years. And, you know, we've talked a lot. There's been so much talk about, gosh, David Kahn took Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn, two point guards. And then he took Ty Lawson and traded Ty Lawson. But did he know what he was doing? Did he have to take Rubio there because he was just too valuable? What happens now with Ricky Rubio? And if Rubio doesn't sign, does this send a clear message to NBA GMs in the future, you think, that unless you've got some sort of feeling that you're going to get an agreement done with one of these guys, you don't take them because there's always a chance they're just going to return to Europe? You know, it's really a case-by-case basis, and, and, and I'm not convinced that Rubio is going back. I, he wants to – he never expected to be in Minnesota, and so he's having to get used to that idea. I do know that David Kahn, from the very beginning, Rubio was the guy. He felt that he could be his, his KG, the young, immensely talented player that he could build a team around, and he still feels that way. So uh, it's a possibility that Rubio could go back. I will say this definitively. You can put away the New York rumors and any other trade rumors. Ricky Rubio will not make his first NBA appearance in a uniform uh, other than the Timberwolves. Really? Uh, he, means that, he means that much to, to, to Khan. Uh, he's not going to trade him away uh, w- without having had an opportunity to have him play for the Timberwolves. And as for taking Johnny Flynn, 
you know, that, that was never going to be their starting backcourt. I'm not even sure that, that, that Khan in saying that they could play together was ever suggesting that they were going to be the starting backcourt. Keep in mind with this whole draft, any of these guys, none of these guys are, are lock-solid starters. Um, he protects himself. Number one, Rubio and Flynn were the most highly rated guys as far as just assets that the, that the Timberwolves had. Never real, really thought that they would be able to get both of them. When they both fell to him, they said, look, we're, we're in a rebuilding stage here. Let's just take the two biggest assets. Secondly, Donnie Flynn really is ideal as a, as, a, as a guard, point guard coming off the bench as a scoring guard. So the idea that he and Rubio aren't compatible, I, I believe, is a, is a falsehood. And finally, he has Flynn. He has a point guard that, he's, that, he, that he believes in uh, as a backup in case Rubio goes back to Spain for two more years. Wow, it's a complicated situation and lots of pressure on David Kahn there because people want to see him make some good moves. And if you get a guy who winds up not playing for you and you spent that high of a draft pick on him, uh, it's going to be bad news for David Kahn. This is what I like about what David Kahn has done so far. He, is, he has created his agenda. He's believed in it. He hasn't tried to win the press conference. He has a plan, and he's sticking to it. And uh, in this day and age when... Everybody wants to do the thing that, that uh, appeals most to the media or to the fan base or whatever. Um, I, I, it takes a lot of guts to say, this is how I believe it should be done, and this is how I'm going to do it. And there are too few guys. And it's, again, it's why I like what Dumars I, – I, does the plan work? I, you know, time will tell in both cases. What I like is definitively these guys – don't care what anybody else is saying. This is my idea. And I'd rather have a guy who goes up there and says, I'm going to do what I think is best rather than I'm going to do what is going to sound the best or play the best uh, to, in, a, in a public forum. I appreciate the, that, that guts. Maybe it'll cost them their jobs, but, but I can stand back and, and applaud because it's not my job. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out for Khan and, and Daryl Morey and some of the other GMs who definitely have their work cut out for them uh, this offseason and in the future. Rick Buecher, ESPN The Magazine. You can read all of his terrific information at ESPN The Magazine and at ESPN.com. Rick, thanks as always for joining us. My pleasure. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Green Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. 
success. I have great news for you. How sweet it is. Right on, sweet sister. Time to highlight a winning move from the world of sports business. Oh, man, that's sweet. Sports Business Radio presents Sweet Success. That'd be sweet. Brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. To find Moose Tracks at a store near you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. Well, the NBA is thinking outside the bun. Taco Bell is signed on as the league's new official Fast food sponsor. It's a four-year deal. The deal ends McDonald's run as the NBA's official fast food sponsor. That began in 1990. Long run for McDonald's is over. Taco Bell is now in. Now, it's interesting, Nathan. Taco Bell has nine NBA team deals. The Bobcats, Bulls, Cavaliers, Pistons, Lakers, Hornets, 76ers, Trailblazers, and Jazz. And their promotion is Chalupa. Chalupa for 100 points. So if the team gets to 100 points, the home team, and uh, they do that before the end of the game, then everyone gets free Chalupas. So it's interesting. That was a successful promotion, and they've now said, okay, we're going to take that one step further, and we're going to become the official fast food sponsor of the entire league. So now you could probably look for all the NBA teams to do similar promotions that these nine teams that we just mentioned have been doing. I, I like something l- along the lines of the fourth quarter, fourth meal, because Taco Bell is the fourth meal. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth quarter, fourth meal. Yeah. All right. I, I know the director of marketing for Taco Bell, uh, he actually went to Loyola Marymount, and we're going to try and get him on the show in the near future, and we'll have you I make that suggestion. That out there. All right. You okay. Ne- you never know. Now, Taco Bell is going to be doing a lot of stuff around the Major League Baseball All-Star Game as well. So uh, watch that. And McDonald's, they've been cutting a lot of costs. And, you know, here's obviously yet another expenditure that they have cut. All right. Thank you to our guest, Rick Buecher from ESPN the Magazine. Read them online at ESPN.com. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Moose Tracks Ice Cream. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Morton's The Steakhouse, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. For Nathan Roach and Bobby Corser, have a tremendous holiday weekend. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. Have participated in McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. 